0: Hello, and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. We are a modern podcast for a modern entrepreneur, and we have an amazing guest on today, a uh, very fun guy. I met him recently in New York, and so we'll tell a little bit about that story, and also probably talk a little bit about food, I'm thinking. Um, but this is Tony Cheever, so welcome, Tony. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so let's just dive right into the food. You took me out to
1: a great restaurant. And it is going out of business. No. They're, they're, they, they are consolidating into their. But this one is in Hell's Kitchen, and they're relocating to their Chelsea, and they're going to focus on their Chelsea location. Oh,
0: my gosh. It was a great place. It was so nice. You and your wife, just to, you know, I I always have to ask locals, okay, where are we going to eat? And it was so cool that you were like, yeah, let you know, we know where to go. And that was such a great night and great food. And I always appreciate that, you know, when I'm on the road traveling and speaking, that some people are just put themselves out there and are willing to engage in a great conversation. And we did have a great conversation that night, and I really, really appreciate it.
1: So. Well, if you're not not busy on Saturday, they're having their costume required Halloween party oh to, to, to to close <laughs> close the venue on Saturday night. Oh, I bet that's going to be super fun. Well, Hell's Kitchen, I
0: mean, you can't get a bad meal there, really. So, you guys are pretty fortunate. But so Tony and I met at uh, Insights Marketing Day, and uh, it was a room full of market researchers. And I know, you know, people might think that sounds boring, but actually had probably some of the most interesting conversations. Um, at that meeting and I really wanted to have you on the podcast because there is a phenomenon happening with social media with DIY marketing and just to kind of sum it up what I see happening is that smaller and smaller businesses have direct access to the market they don't have to go through the big traditional media the traditional buyers the traditional huge TV buys or take out a ad in the newspaper so now they can get to the market directly. But unfortunately, I think what we see is that they're still not experts. And while I think they should have the direct access to the market, sometimes business owners, small business owners, and medium-sized business owners get in there and projects fail and campaigns fail and advertising fails. And so I would love for you to shed some insight on that for us today. And that's really kind of to give you a preface, Tony, of why I think it's going to be such a valuable conversation to my listeners because they are anywhere from solo entrepreneurs. And, yes, I have very large Execs that listen, but really the 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 bulk of it is that solopreneur all the way up through that mid sized business and they are typically the ones that think either one, they can't afford market research, or if they could, they wouldn't know who to find. And even if they found someone, they wouldn't know what to ask. Like what should I be checking for? So we're gonna get to those things. I thought we could start with you just telling us a little bit about how you got, you know, to where you are at ResearchScape and, you know, what you do day to day.
1: So it, it was interesting to me to meet to meet you, and, and I, feel, I feel like we're sort of kindred spirits yeah. because I, I start every conversation with people on the topic of market research with the sentence, I am not a market researcher. Um, <laughs> my, my, my business partners are – one would, would tell you he's, he was a teenage market researcher and he's been one all his life, and my other partner is a data scientist, computer programming person. hmm but i come from a different background i come from marketing and i think we'll probably talk more about this your perspective was so valuable at insights mm-hmm. marketing day because market research companies as a whole don't market themselves well and they don't understand how to market themselves well mm-hmm. so we we can take us we can talk about that later but i come to this from a very unique background i Got started in direct marketing, uh, working in specialty publishing, magazine publishing. Uh, I was at a Direct Marketing Association conference and somebody approached me and said, Oh, I was told to, to ask for your resume. Do you know Richard Branson? And you know, just, Branson, do you know, know he was, him? <laughs> he wasn't a household name in oh. those days. So I, I I made the very smart move of saying no, and they looked at me like I had been hit in the head with a lightning. Um, <laughs> but I, I went and, and I helped to launch uh, Virgin Atlantic when it first uh, came to the U.S. Amazing. And uh, worked after that with KLM and uh, a technology giant uh, in France called Schlumberger. And I took all my technology and – marketing and logistics experience and work went to work for the United States government, primarily focusing in postal service logistics and international trade. Then I found myself as a a single dad with two daughters to raise, and I tried to think, okay, what am I going to do next where I can work from home more? Mm -hmm. And market research companies said, well, do you understand market research? And I said, no. And they said, do you understand technology? I said, absolutely. (laughs) And they said, do you know how to sell stuff? And I said, absolutely. That I know how. (laughs) (laughs) I I worked my way into the market research industry as a technologist Mm. and as a business development person. And uh, it's been great to come from that outside perspective to be able to offer, hey, this Mm. is how they do things in other industries. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should think about that. So tying back to, Great to meet you and great to see your perspective to help people in my industry understand better how to communicate with audiences when, in fact, their whole business is audience <laughs> engagement. <laughs> That's
0: So it is ironic, but, it, you know, yeah, you, you and I both have that more big picture thinking. And I think it's it's almost like a a modern tragedy. Here are these amazing researchers out here who really ask very amazing questions and get amazing results. but the people who need them are over here and they don't know how to ask. For help, you know, so it's always this conundrum. So how do you bridge that with your business partners? Like how is that in your career, your career trajectory with those business partners being so different from you? What do you do day to day?
1: We, we, we like to start conversations with understanding the business challenges that people are faced with. Mm-hmm. And I often think of, a, uh, I think it was a cartoon that I saw when I was a young person. Uh, and it said something along the lines of, a decision is something that a business professional has to make when the answer doesn't suggest itself. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're trying to connect that. What do you need to know? What are you trying to find out? What problem are you trying to solve? And it often is in the lines of, I have this idea for a startup. Mm-hmm. Will it work? Should I try yeah. it? Should I offer it for free? <laughs> uh, you know, what what pricing model would work? Mm-hmm. Is the concept who who is my market for this? I mean, mm-hmm. because we we often find whether it's a big advertising agency or a big brand, they develop an idea or persona of who the product product is going to be sold to, mm-hmm. uh, and without talking to people, and and that's where we come and say, well, you need to talk mm-hmm. to people, you need to get opinions, and the the, the t- very contemporary example is what message is going to resonate with likely voters. I mean, mm-hmm. how, do I, how do I phrase what I want to say? And you, you've seen some very good examples of that in the last 14 months, and you've seen some very poor examples of <laughs> yeah, that. I think we've seen both. <laughs> yeah. Well, I,
0: that's an interesting point you say about, um, you know, when people want to go to market and they say, well, they build something and they think their audience is one particular audience, but actually who ends up buying it when they go to market is a completely different audience, and then they're, they're stumped. Because they did create all their message around what their intended audience and now someone else is buying it. Well, you don't want to keep someone from buying it, but it's not always the people that you think. And I also would take that one step further to say we a lot of times are called in to companies because they keep spending money on the same audience, the audience that brought them success. But they've gone through that audience and now they're they have a new market, a new persona and it's no longer the same people who bought from them previously who are going to buy from them now to bring them to the next level. You know, businesses change. They've added services. They they look they're they've matured and their business has matured and their audience many times matures and turns into a different audience. And so, even you know, you mentioned that at startup how important it is to know well, who is going to be buying this anyway. But later on, it, it, it's one of those things that is you know is a foundational thing that businesses have to come back to very regularly now who is our audience (laughs) have they changed is it are you know is it completely different people that's super interesting to me
1: so and how has the experience with the brand changed over time have there been other factors where people are your audience but they're slipping away or becoming disenchanted disengaged Mm -hmm. so it It feeds that ongoing conversation.
0: So what do the questions sound like when someone does get to you? What what are they typically saying? Hey, Tony, fill in the blank.
1: um, One of the examples I always start with is somebody called me and said, I'm sick and tired of winter. I hate it. I don't (laughs) like where I live. I want to move someplace warm. Here's where I'm thinking of moving. Here's the, the ideas I have for a business. Which one would work best? So this is a single person, you know, solo, solopreneur, whatever you want to call it, saying, "I want to change my surroundings for a warmer climate, but I don't know the business decision to make. So help me identify the business decision to make to move to this new climate." So that's. That's, I I think, a a really fun example to show people that, you know, we're working not only with Fortune 500 companies, but Mm -hmm. just one person that says, I want to change my life and I need to spend $500 on research to do it better.
0: Right. Well, because otherwise you're going to spend $6,000 doing it wrong.
1: Yes. And you can end up in a new town with no friends. And... Right.
0: and it'll be, it'll all be your fault because you didn't call a market researcher. Yeah. I like where this commercial is going. So that's a, that's a very interesting call. Well, give me a couple of other calls. Like what, what are people saying at the very beginning?
1: Sure. So, and some of these that I'm going to talk about, I can, I can share links with you because they are published by our clients, oh, wow, uh, cool. but like a professional services firm that markets to facility managers. What are the key things that, make them make decisions in choosing who to use for the for these services Mm -hmm. how do we identify you know we we know who our audience is Mm -hmm. how do we identify what are the hot buttons is it Mm -hmm. is it price is it service is it timeliness of service um how do we how do we get them to work with us Uh, another study was was around um a, a content marketing company wanted to have a conference and their, their CEO was going to make a speech at the beginning of the conference and they wanted to know how digital marketing, social media marketing was changing in marketing departments. So mm-hmm. we had to go out and talk to people and understand how marketing roles are changing. You know, you, five years ago, you didn't have a data scientist that didn't mm-hmm. exist as a role or a content <laughs> ma- marketing manager that, that right. might've existed as a role, but in very few organizations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Another example of small and medium businesses, uh, what does global mean? How do you mm-hmm. go global when you're just you know, three, five, seven people? Do you have suppliers, uh, business partners, employees outside the U.S., as mm-hmm. my company does, uh, but we'll do some research around how, how do we serve the global market of companies that have less than 50 employees or less than 100 employees. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And, and on, a, on a fun note, I'll give you one, one more is uh, how do college students uh, use apps to, to follow their, their their sports teams? Or do do they use apps? And mm-hmm. it go, goes back to that. Hey, we're trying to launch something. We're trying to see who's, who's the audience. We think this is who our audience is. Uh, but it, it uh, in that case, was used to inform a series of blogs so they could talk about, this is really interesting what college students in the Big Ten do with apps for their sports teams versus the Pac-10 versus the Big East. And uh, it, it, it really helps inform not only maybe strategy or marketing, mm-hmm. but in this case, content, which engages your audience to, to a great degree.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. So you, you guys do both Quantitative and qualitative research.
1: It's, it's a funny squiggly line between the mm-hmm. two. Okay. Uh, we we don't really get involved in focus groups uh, and and that face to face interaction. Mm-hmm. We do get involved with phone interviews and uh, we will work with people who want to do online you know, Skype type interviews or using some kind of platform where you can actually see the person. Yeah. Uh, one of the things we're we're doing more of is Getting involved with projects where people say, make a vi- or the brand or the agency will say, make a video of yourself in this experience. Mm-hmm. You're, you're interacting with our brand. You're shopping. You're at a fast food place. Make a video of yourself, which you know, younger people, people under under 30, people under 40, love to do. Right. Uh, and the other technology that we're thinking about is as as we're um, doing online surveys with people. We will um, get some reading on their facial recognition. So if they're if they're saying this is my opinion, mm-hmm. going back to that, you know, what message might resonate best with likely voters? They might be saying one thing with their rational mind and their and their words, mm-hmm. but their instinctual mind <laughs> and their facial expression <laughs> will be telling you something else. And so, if if you've ever been in a meeting where somebody's saying something that they're agreeing with you and shaking their head or, right. or, or looking <laughs> like, you know, that's that's what we're trying to measure more these days.
0: So, do you watch the show "Lie to Me," where the Lightman Group, you know, comes in and actually can tell you what they're what they really are saying <laughs> just by the look on their face? You must be pretty good at reading
1: people. Well, there's a whole science to it. Uh, so, yeah. the, I'm, there's a, a book that's on my bookshelf uh, called "Emotionomics" by a guy called Dan Hill, mm-hmm. and it's it's fascinating uh, what people will express when when they're trying. You know, people can learn to control it to a degree. But people will tell you very different things with their body language and with their facial expression mm-hmm. that they really aren't thinking through. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's it's fascinating to, to compare and contrast. Not, not always a big difference, but uh, going back to the focus group example, sometimes people, if they're being paid to sit in a room and talk about margarine or right. uh, <laughs> whatever, they might feel like they want to Please the the person who's conducting the research, or right. or or reward them back for the the, the incentive. Mm-hmm. Um, so they might say positive things, but their body language and their facial expression might tell you something else. Mm-hmm. So that's something we're looking at. It's it's more qualitative than than most of our work, but it's 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 an interesting thing to measure and, and compare.
0: Yeah, well, I actually do have a degree in cultural anthropology, and so that goes back to just right there basic ethnography rules. The moment you insert yourself into the scene, you've run the scene. (laughs) So it's no longer completely natural, but that is who we are as humans. And so being able to cull from that and from obviously the experience that market researchers have to understand what is happening on a bigger picture, that I can totally see how that's, you know, worth a lot. So I'm kind of thinking of that in that vein have you had that experience where people come in and are a little skeptical about what you can do for their company, and then they kind of get the research bug? Now they want you to research everything before they do anything? <laughs> Is that how that
1: happens? It's, it's funny. We had a conversation this morning, and um, one of my business partners will interject into phone calls. Tony's probably banging his head on the desk while I'm saying this, because he was saying <laughs> we were looking at a very unique study. Um, basically, it's it's easier for us to go and find a particular role. If you said, I need to talk to people in human resources, Mm -hmm. great, we can easily do that. If you need to talk to people in healthcare, we can easily do that. If you need to talk to people who are in human resources and healthcare – that becomes a little more challenging and expensive. Mm-hmm. So on a call this morning, my business partner was saying, "Well, this is going to be very expensive." And I, I wanted to interject say, "Relatively expensive. Relatively, Relatively. Expensive. <laughs> because you know it's it's maybe ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars, but our median project size is only three. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of of, of people like to start research, and, and and people do come back. I think we have something like uh, it's between sixty-two and and seventy percent." repeat business. Wow. Once people you do research, they come back. And then there's obviously people who do what we refer to as tracking studies, like they might do something every quarter, every month, every couple of weeks, just to see how the brand image engagement and other metrics change mm-hmm. by season, by region, by ad campaign. So...
0: Right. Now that you, you do, you just said by region. So kind of help people understand some of the different things you do. You, you do take these national representations and help people understand what is happening differently in the U.S. by region. Um, you do everything from, a simple questionnaire design, I say simple because to us it's simple, obviously you know your expertise and how you put it together is more complex, but simple in terms of smaller projects, something thats very simple for someone to understand. Look, I need the questions to be clear, so i'm so I'm not wasting my time. So give us a couple examples of of you know what you do so maybe maybe start with the questionnaire design when you get called in for that. what does that questionnaire or survey design look like?
1: So usually we, we do that uh, in in a collaborative format, uh, you know, in Dropbox or, or a Google form or something mm-hmm. like a Google Doc, so that we can be on a call together, on screen together, saying we we understand. We've talked about your business issues, your business problems, the the, the topics you want to address, and then let's start to flesh out some questions. And part of it is is that informing the research and part of it is the the order of the questions um people often think well I want to ask who you are where you work what size is your organization I want to get that that's important information and we interject well let's that's important information but let's put that at the end when people have given us the answers to the meaty important questions and at that point when they just have to fill in their name and things, they're they're maybe a little fatigued, maybe they're a little less engaged, but they can easily answer those questions. Mm -hmm. If you ask those questions first, and then the harder questions or the more more important questions last. (laughs) uh, So that's part of it. And then we have to sometimes guide people because they'll they'll want to interject a question along the lines of, now that you've filled out the survey – um, would you like a salesperson to call you? I'm like, that's not mm-hmm. what we're doing yeah. here. That's, this, <laughs> is, this is research, and that is a uh, skating right up against Market Research Association ethical guidelines. Mm-hmm. You can say something along the lines. We're doing a study right now for um, people who work in associations or membership organizations or other not-for-profits about what is it like, how's it working, what, what could be working better. Mm-hmm. And at the end, we're saying if you'd like a copy of the report, Mm-hmm. As a thank you for your participation, give us your email and we'll send you a copy of the report. Completely fine, um, and and we're giving them content as a reward right, right. for for participation. But to, to to try to tie it into a sales lead generation vehicle, that's mm-hmm. that 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 is something we often have to talk people back from. That that's. Not the purpose of doing research, the purpose is to better understand your audience, your market, your employees, for example, mm-hmm. your stakeholders, um, not necessarily to to get them to sign on a dotted line or agree to see a, a sales presentation. Mm-hmm.
0: So, what is an interesting way that people have screwed up kind of maybe a larger project? I really don't mean it as in like making fun of people there, but I talk to my audience all the time. That in business, we're made to feel really stupid for things we don't know. And it's just when we kind of crack it open just a little bit and let people be vulnerable and, ah, these are the mistakes I've made. I think it's important to say, hey, look, XYZ company, you know, really messed up this whole survey. We came in and we were able to do this because people have great intentions, but they don't have your expertise. So can you think of a good story or, you know, correlate, you know, an experience you had of where, you know, they wanted to do this type of a questionnaire, a survey or, you know, market research, but they were really going about it the wrong way and how you, your group was able to turn that around?
1: Well, there, there's there's two things that I, I, I like to talk about in this topic. And one is we started this business with the idea that more and more people were going to do it themselves, do research themselves, mm-hmm. DIY. And and we just wanted to make market research bite size accessible, so that if they just needed help writing a survey, there's a, a service in our web store that you can you can access that simple service for. I
0: do love plus. your web store. I got to give this shout out right now. It's slash research, shop and I got to tell you, this is a huge. You you say that market researchers are bad at marketing themselves, but I think your guys's website has done a good job by making this very simple shopping cart. Because people now are not embarrassed to call you and say, okay, I really need a question. How how much is that going to be? They already feel bad. You know, whereas you're really giving a really good ballpark for showing, you know, what you can do and and really laying it out so they don't feel stupid already calling you. So huge kudos to you for that, Tony.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you very much. (laughs) Super
0: good. So, yeah, so explain that. So you knew that it was going to be DIY, and so you approached it this way.
1: And, and what we find is that we do, uh, in some cases, what we call DIY rescue, where people say... <laughs> Sorry,
0: I, I'm totally going to take that hashtag.
1: Uh, oh,
0: my gosh.
1: The, uh, we just looked on... We went out and found a survey platform. We did our first survey. Uh, we, we designed it ourselves. We programmed it ourselves. Everything we did in-house. And we got a CSV file. Mm-hmm. And then they pause and then they say, can you do something with the CSV file? I'm like, absolutely. We have proprietary software. We can export. We can turn it into a PowerPoint, a Word document, cross tabulations, whatever you want. But but people don't realize that th- there's more to it than r- asking some questions mm-hmm. and sending them out to people that, that then you have to s- take the data which is mm-hmm. going to be in an excel csv type file and turn it into something that you can give to your management or your partners or your agency and say here's what we found here's what i think we should do next right uh, because an excel file is not going to tell you that so that's right. <laughs> that's one thing where people say, dip their feet in the water and then realize that there's a piece of the puzzle that they weren't thinking of and the 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 other thing that you know t- sort of ties into the questionnaire design is you know one one of the things we talk about is uh, it's been a hot topic this year, political polls, and I, I'm sure most people are tired of political polls. Mm-hmm. But if you ask someone, uh, if you ask someone, are they eating right? They're going to say, Oh yeah, I, I eat right, I exercise, I don't smoke, I drink alcohol in moderation. They're going to say that they have a healthy healthy lifestyle because mm-hmm. we are poor self-reporting machines, We're, or, <laughs> we are good self-deception machines, whichever yes. you want. Uh, <laughs> So if you ask someone, are you going to vote for one, you know, candidate A or candidate B, they're going to give you an answer. But if you ask someone if – if you had to bet on who was going to win or if you had to invest your money in the outcome, mm-hmm. who would you choose? And they're going to give you an answer that much more likely represents the actual outcome than if you ask them a direct question. So there's ways wow. that you can – move this around and, and people mm-hmm. look at you like this doesn't sound right I'm like it may not sound right but it's proven by science it's, it's true it's <laughs> still science is still science <laughs> uh, and, and, and in the political arena I always like the example of uh, we'll, we'll we'll present data and people will say things like this wasn't what I was expecting and you have that sort of guarded moment of it's just data I wasn't preparing it for your expectations. <laughs> right. I was preparing it for your information so that you could make decisions or that we could give you recommendations. Right. Uh, and that's where, where people sort of get the wrong end of the stick, if you will, that they think, I know who my customers are. I know what they want. I know what I want to tell them. And you sometimes have to back them off and say, well, let's, let's research these things before we you know, inform those assumptions or conclusions mm-hmm. because we might find out uh, something different.
0: Right. And you weren't intending to try and sneak up behind them and scare them. <laughs> you no. were just collecting the data. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I love that you mentioned that, you know, what's happening out there in the world right now is DIY, regardless of what industry anyone's in. Is there anything else that is trending in your industry, in, in market research or in people's understanding about segmentation, or what's going on in your world that you're hearing a lot of buzz around?
1: Well, one of the things that we're doing more is, uh, and we did a, a I, I forget the word for it, it's a Google battle or something, um, but we're doing more what we call data cleansing, because it's becoming more challenging to identify and bring valid representative respondents into a study. So we are have a new multi-step process to make sure that we identify who you are at the front, in the middle, and at the end of the study, and, and that, so that we're giving our clients data that's representative. So that's something that we're seeing more of a trend, a, a need to make sure that the data is not just something that you collected at a low price, that it's mm-hmm. actually actionable data that's going to give you recommendations. Representative of the audience that you're trying to reach. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked a little bit about fa- facial recognition earlier. I think that's an interesting trend and, and bringing video and other things into studies. So um, if, if I'm trying to talk to people who have uh, a serious medical condition and I want to show them a, a package or, or something, I, I can often not send them something. I, 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 in the past, I would send them, here's this new toothpaste. What do you think of the color of the, of the package? What do you think of the way it looks and, and feels and everything like that? But if someone's seriously ill, they may not want to open a package or may not be able to open a package. Or So I can show them a video and ask them, you know, what are your reactions? What are your thoughts? Anything you'd like to share with us about how you would – interact with this product so that the video and the facial recognition I think are two key things and l- lastly in that in a, in that same sort of healthcare space the idea of building uh, a community of, of people so people who are suffering from a particular disease state, might interact better together as a community in in terms of sharing ideas and thoughts and about their experience as as a patient or a caregiver than they would if we just were asking them direct questions in in a survey or a phone call or something like that. So mm-hmm. these are some interesting things that I see out there that uh, wow. are trending.
0: Yeah, I I love that. I love the idea. I'm going to go really philosophical on you, though. I'm going to spring this question on you, Tony. So there's a big entrepreneurial spirit in this country. We praise entrepreneurs like, you know, like they're made of gold. <laughs> um we don't talk about them when they fail, <laughs> but if they are the Richard Bransons of the world, um, you know, which maybe he would just be an anomaly cuz he's he's had some monumental failures and some monumental amazing things. But in general, people are always they kind of we have this spirit in this American spirit, we want to do what we want to do. So let's kind of set that aside for a minute. Then there's market research that's telling us what people and how people are going to interact with our product and whether we should even have this project. Maybe we should close the business, you know, this kind of thing. So how do you balance this with a company, especially, you know, a strong leader who they want to know about consumer behavior and how it's changing and what people are thinking about their product, but in some ways it's almost like they're having an internal battle they kind of don't want to know they want to do what they want to do and you you touch on it just a tiny bit by saying that someone's like oh this data is surprising and you're like well i'm not trying to surprise you i'm just trying to get, inform you as far as like that 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 kind of maybe a bigger concept how do you strike that balance in business of sometimes the consumer's wrong sometimes the consumer's right where do you where do you fall on that spectrum
1: well it, one of the things i th- i think about is, uh, as we move from the people who are doing the research or the people who are doing the marketing, we find sometimes those people don't communicate. So that's, that's a gap, but -hmm. going up the chain, there's often at the C level, people want a net promoter score or some simple number to understand Mm -hmm. their, their um, customer audience. And we're sort of the the, uh, evangelists for, that that's that's great. It's a, it's a number, but it may not be really telling you anything valuable or insightful about your audience. Mm-hmm. There are there are other measures. There are other things you can do. Uh, so there there is some disconnect on. We are the messengers. We're providing the data, and sometimes you might not like the data. Sometimes you may might think the data is wrong, and it it feeds that con that, that uh, conversation of, well, my gut tells me or. My experience as the CEO tells me that what our customers really want is, and uh, I, I always think of the example, if uh, in terms of marketing of insurance companies, and almost all of them say we are 15% cheaper, <laughs> and and I'm thinking, okay, logically that leads to an infinite regression to zero. <laughs> they, they, they can't all be 15% it's cheaper, right. but they all still promote the same advertising message, and. I know, and you probably talk to friends about you know what do you who do you use for insurance? Do you like it? Is it a good price? Is it a good value? Do they pay your claims on time? There's got to be another message, mm-hmm. but no one wants to be the first person to put that <laughs> message out there. You know that entrepreneurial spirit I think seems to wither maybe too strong a word, but it seems to be diluted as you go further up into a, a larger organization or. Mm a uh, hierarchical organization. Mm-hmm. Now, I hope I, I didn't just go out too far on a limb. And...
0: No, I don't. I don't think so. I think maybe what you're also hinting at is maybe at that level, they have a lot to lose. And now they can't afford to ignore some of these things that are changing, whether they like it or not. And we have to start understanding what's going on out in the market on a bigger level. And that's not typically part of how they got started. They didn't go out asking for everybody's approval and seeing whatever, you know, uh, polling people. And yet it's so funny. If you really become successful, you have to turn around and at the end start polling people. (laughs) It's an irony, you know, that's pretty interesting. But, well, I love your website, researchscape.com. If you are, you know, if you have even ever pulled up SurveyMonkey and then regretted it. And I'm not saying anything bad about <laughs> SurveyMonkey. I'm just saying, you know, I totally agree with, with you, Tony, that, you know, having an expert help you craft even something as simple as an employee Um, engagement piece or, you know, just at the very beginning, some really, you know, hard strategic questions about, well, what are you trying to get out of this survey? What do you need to know from your clients? Or are they still your clients? Or who are you, even who are you going to ask? How are you going to go about asking them? I know I hate it when I'm taking a quiz and someone's like, they don't tell me how long this thing is. Hey, will you take this survey for us? And it's like, and there's a couple, you know, questions on a page and then you click and it's like another couple questions and another, co- and there's no indication of when this might end. So I think that people unwittingly make mistakes, mistake and, and then they don't end up getting the results and probably wonder why. But I really love your approach on there. If you are thinking at all out there to all my listeners about doing anything, it, whether it's vertical market or you need a panel, you need to really understand how your your market is segmented. Or just a simple survey. Just go check it out at researchscape.com forward slash shop. And I think you get a really good idea of what's out there. But, Tony, if they want to connect with you and just um, chat or or see if there's um, some other kind of, you know, synergy, how how do you like to be reached?
1: Well, it's funny because I I, I mentioned DIY Rescue, and that was a great laugh line. But the other thing that really astonishes people is if they go on our website, Mm researchscape.com, there's a live chat option. And the live chat is—it's you, actually me. And pe- <laughs> I love it. And people say I, I thought it was going to be a bot, and, uh-huh. and,
0: and,
1: and was, nope, it's 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 still me.
0: Did you tell them that? Well, we did a survey, and we found that people don't like to talk to robots. So you get to talk to me.
1: <laughs> well, we didn't do a survey, but I think people generally don't like to talk. Right, to Right, you don't
0: even need one, right? I surveyed one person, myself. Nobody likes to talk to a robot. So, well, that's cool. So you can uh, use the chat function on there. Are you, uh, w- as far as social media, are you a big LinkedIn person? You big Twitter?
1: I I'm on, on LinkedIn, both. Myself and my business partner uh, Jeffrey is on Twitter, and mm-hmm. there's a ResearchGate on Twitter, and most of our blog posts are also put out on Twitter. So you can find us on LinkedIn and Twitter very easily.
0: Okay, awesome. Well, we'll do that. So listeners, ResearchGate.com, go check it out. Tony, any parting words? Did I miss something, or is there something like super fantastic that I just I didn't touch on that you were you've been dying to tell me?
1: Well, I I would encourage you to come back to Insights Marketing Day and and. Yeah. Uh, and talk to these uh, market research people because one of the things uh, we, we talked a little bit about trends, but one of the things that sort of uh, is is uh, itching me under the skin is uh, that, that going to back to my insurance company example with market research, so much of the advertising is it's agile it's disruptive it 's game changing it's innovative and i'm thinking everything can't be <laughs> that, right. that way mm-hmm. and to go to your earlier point so much of what we do is geared to companies that are under 10 people, under 20 people, or they're not for profits. And everything that's being built that we see is, is for the Coke's Pepsi's Ford motor company, Microsoft's nice. of the world. And if you have that budget, that's great. If you have a hundred people on staff, that's great. But if it's just you, uh, mm-hmm. we, we, we always talk about our audiences, the, the army of one, the sole practitioner, whether <laughs> it's by themselves or within a larger organization, mm-hmm. uh, then that, that's really who we're talking to as opposed to you know, somebody with 100 people on staff.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll just keep talking louder to the group so that we, we feel like we're making a dent. But I I'm, apparently I didn't bomb it because they asked me to come speak at their Chicago event, so I must have done okay.
1: <laughs> so, well, you're going to Chicago in November. That's uh...
0: I know I'm a brave soul, right? Either <laughs> either completely stupid or I, we'll see if I get out. So you know O'Hare, good luck to you. But uh, well, thank you so much, Tony. And next time I'm in town, definitely let's hit another foodie place and get a chance to talk again. But please reach out to Tony at ResearchScape, and I, I just really appreciate you taking your time and giving a little bit of your insight to my listeners. And I hope it's been worth your time, but it certainly was interesting for me. So this is Priscilla McKinney from Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. If you have any questions, then by all means, send them in. Go find us on Twitter. Make a comment on one of our blogs, and we would love to take questions that you have. And I'd be happy to bring some back to Tony if you want to go a little bit further. But definitely hit them up on the chat. I think you might you know, have a good time talking with him about what's going on at your company. So, Tony, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day.